You are listening to LP Uncovered, a music podcast hosted by myself, Lauren Plant. On this episode, I chat with a brilliant singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist from Tennessee, Maya DeVitri. I first saw Maya perform in the Strobers back in 2015 at Cambridge Folk Festival. When the hard-touring band dissolved in 2018, Maya began to steadily release powerful solo music. In 2019, she released her debut solo album, Adaptations, followed by 2020's How to Break a Fool. In January this year, she released her third solo studio album, Violet Light, co-produced by herself and Ethan Yojevitz. So let's uncover Maya DeVitri's brilliant Violet Light. Well, I'm super excited to have on LP Uncovered, Maya DeVitri. Thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Nice to see you and meet yeah, you, Lauren. Lovely to meet you. And I'm super excited that we're going to be uncovering Violet Light, your uh, third solo album, 11 songs, all completely different bands and so many instruments I'm going to be talking about for each song. How has it been collectively having so many different artistic people involved in the project? Oh my gosh. Uh, it was just incredible. Like the grief of, of losing the ability to tour and to collaborate with people easily. Um, I kind of, I think this album was like the way that I sort of transformed my grief in a way to, yeah, to yeah. be able to be something else and to be able to, to continue to collaborate in some way. And it also allowed us to slow down and, you know, to, to have a different band for each song on yeah. the album just sort of made the whole process feel like we could just stretch out and sink in instead How of like long did okay. it take? um so we started the very first thing that ever was recorded for this album i think was started in um it was like august or september of 2020 yeah and then the very last bits that were recorded um it was the first week of june uh, yeah. in 2021 so it was I mean it was nearly 10 months wow. of of um at least for recording you know like either voice to microphone yeah. or instrument to microphone and then after that um Ethan Yojevitz who I co-produced the album with him and he spent time mixing it yeah. then over the next couple of weeks and then we got it mastered and and then I you know wow. How Got did it, ready, it ready to release? <laughs> well, exactly. How did it compare to the other two solo albums that you've done? Yeah, so the process was completely different. Like the the other time, every other time I've made an album, it's been pretty much you get together with a specific group of people and you kind of do as much as you can in like three or four or five days, however much time you have. But it's it's pretty compact and concise, and it's it's more like immersion or like a retreat or a camp yeah. or something like you feel like when when you're done it's almost like you're like wow what did we just do because yeah. like things <laughs> happened so fast maybe you tracked three or four entire songs in a day and and with this process it was like stretched over all that time and maybe i recorded vocals and guitar on a song and then like five months later we have somebody singing harmonies on it or playing keys on it or something mm. and all the all the layers came together so slowly, but it also gave me time to learn to be a better listener. So mm. I really, I don't know that I ever would have had the patience to slow down this yeah. much um, and, and record something so, um, 
so patiently, you know, just because that's usually people get together and make albums all together in one room. And, mm. you know, but that's just to, at least people that I people that I, you know, I'm friends with in the music world. And, and that's kind of how they do it doesn't mean that's the best way to do it, though. And so this, yeah. I think everybody had to kind of think outside the box. Well, you mentioned working on C and producing it with Ethan at the Secret Woods. Is that right? Studio mm-hmm. in Nashville. Um, yeah. yeah. How was it specifically in that studio? So that studio is actually on right on the other side of this wall. I'm talking oh, wow. to you in, from my basement of our house. And so Ethan is my boyfriend and, you yeah. know, my quarantine partner. Then Wow, so, that is intense. Yeah. And so we he basically transformed a room of an entire uh, like unfinished room in the basement. He transformed it into a studio um, like built sound panels on the walls and and acquired a couple microphones borrowed some microphones from other friends sort of made a space that it was um you know quiet enough we live pretty close to the airport in nashville and so every now and then a plane will take off and you can can hear that there's it's not completely isolated but for a home studio it was plenty of space for us and um yeah but we really we definitely had to learn some uh, some boundaries with like, okay, yeah. we're, we're not gonna, like, if I wanted to book time to work with him, <laughs> I would I would send him an email. Really? <laughs> well, even, even though, though we you're in the same house as each other. Yeah, it helped <laughs> us because, because it was such yeah. a long process. And, and, you know, I mean, even a relationship can change mm. so much over the course of nine or 10 months, let alone the way an album changes and, and working on something so wow. creative together. So we really had to set boundaries like, how to communicate about it and and to really you know to not just talk about it all the time mm. because we didn't want to and it felt like we did we kind of could leave it in the basement like okay nice we're done for the day like it's 5 p.m this is the time we said we would stop and then we'd you know go upstairs nice. and make dinner and talk about something else but yeah i mean it was it was it was really cool well, I'll talk obviously more about Ethan as we go through the songs track by track, but you yourself play five different instruments on the album, electric, acoustic guitar, banjo, fiddle, and kazoo, which I'll definitely mention <laughs> later because I love that. Um, yeah, how good was it to be able to put so many different instruments that obviously you yourself play on the record? Yeah, it was really fun. I mean, you know, so you had you'd mentioned when we when I first jumped on that, you know, you saw me playing with the Stray Birds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Over at Cambridge, um, I don't know how many years ago, but I you know, I actually grew up playing the fiddle and playing violin in the school orchestra and I'm much later came to songwriting and sing you know, singing and playing guitar and banjo, like much later, you know, basically once I was out of high school. Yes. So fiddle is like my, I don't know, it's kind of like my, my first language on in yeah. music or something like that. It's like, it's easier for me in some ways, but it's also like, I'm harder on myself playing fiddle. And so it's funny, like I got to play, I got to play a lot of different instruments in the Stray Birds and we would pass instruments around and we would share lead vocals and harmony vocals and yeah. all these different instruments. But in my solo stuff, I think, you know, part of part of me transitioning to doing the solo stuff and, and figuring out like what to do with the music in my head, I kind of wanted 
I don't know. I was really focused on just like, I'm going to play guitar and sing. I'm a singer songwriter. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't need to play fiddle anymore. I don't need to play these other instruments. I'm just going to play guitar and sing. And I think I kind of quickly got a little bored (laughs) just doing that because that's actually not who I am as a musician. Like I, I, what I, my favorite parts about music are still like, you know, harmony singing and playing all Mm -hmm. these different instruments and just kind of constantly trying to be like a, you know, the enthusiasm of a kid, you know, playing an instrument for the first time and and not getting so serious about it. And so I, um, yeah, it was great to have a chance to, uh, to pick up the fiddle again and play. Mm -hmm. I haven't played any fiddle on my solo records before. Yes. And then to, you know, play something kind of as like lighthearted as a kazoo to remind myself of like, you're playing music, like playing, like you're playing on a swing set or something, you know, (laughs) you're not like... It's I love that. A, a chore. It's not a chore. <laughs> yeah, because a kazoo is obviously like a very over here. We have a lot of like children's parties. It's like a real mm-hmm. like light-hearted kind of like fun instrument. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite hard on the old lungs, actually. I was thinking mm. it was quite ch- challenging. So credit. Yeah, I think, That's I think why not like... many people put it on their songs. I don't think a kazoo <laughs> is a is a tough instrument to master. And just quickly before we go through the actual songs track by track, um, the artwork, beautiful artwork by Kelly Wills, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, how did that come about? I found her on Instagram. Oh, really? I, yeah. Yeah, I just, I, whenever, um, you know, whenever I see, I follow lots of different artists on there. Because I love, I just love visual art and there's a lot of visual artists in my family and um, my, my sister, one of my sisters is an art teacher and my mom is an artist. And, and so I, you know, some of my best friends are, you know, painters and, Mm. and potters, and I just love art. And, um, so I follow people on Instagram and if I ever like something, I kind of, I try to try to keep an eye on what they're doing and kind of keep it in my mind. I wonder, you know, maybe they would be somebody to collaborate with. Yeah, so I, I just I reached out to Kelly, and we've actually still never met in person. We've never even spoken on the phone, but wow. we, we did everything for that we did for the album art, and she did a beautiful job with the layout. Like mm. she did a, a book, like a lyric booklet, and and all the things that she did. You know, we did it all back and forth over email to figure out the design together. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's. I think that this this album has like really taught me how you don't have to be it's not like you're creating alone when you're a solo artist you know I think Mm -hmm. that was something that I also was grieving after being a part of a band and being a part of so many collective decisions and and the the energy of multiple people always you know turning you know the wheels are spinning and then it's like exponential because multiple people are excited about something I think I was just kind of struggling with how to feel how to still feel collaborative because that's my that's another favorite part of music for me and yeah. art how to feel connected and collaborative with other creative people and i think this that working on violet light really taught me how to like reach out and um yeah just kind of like ask people like hey what do you consider working together yeah. on this and um and i yeah and then people said yes amazing, amazing. yeah that's so true actually because you kind of assume with a solo album it's just going to be like me and myself singing and, and what have you but obviously this album is so collaborative and like all the different harmonies and all the different instruments so uh, and yeah talking obviously collaborating and people on the album start off with you have the beautiful track flowers which really has a distinct sound of the nord keyboard which i think mm-hmm. on that song was by paul horton but it's an instrument that we hear across 
I think it's four other tracks off the album or also played by Jen Underman. I'm always fascinated by track orders and artists. And uh, why was this song the one that you put forward first? Yeah, so um, I'm just like pulling out the pulling out the booklet here. So oh, I can, nice! Like, see if it makes me makes yeah. me think of anything. But but yeah. yeah so he so Paul played um, he played Rhodes on this one. It's just a beautiful like it's it's such a strange combination of instruments in a way. Like so like Rhodes keys and then um, there's like a you know Ethan is playing electric bass and then mm-hmm. I had this line in my head. The, for the like uh, like a woodwind part kind of like a horn section or something yeah and so um so we chose to ask a friend of ours who plays bassoon and she came into the basement the secret mm-hmm. woods and and nice. layer and layered in these multiple parts of bassoon that we wrote out for her like a part like an orchestral yeah. part and i think that something about the the storytelling you know like the lyrics of the song like tell me again you know mm-hmm. it kind of is like inviting you into a like a bit of a story and it's and a, and a world and that that felt like a good um a good beginning lyrically mm-hmm. to the album but it also like sonically it felt like a good beginning because it's kind of um yeah it's kind of like unexpected and i think it kind of sets the mood in a way for this kind of uh, I don't know, like it, I like the the album is called Violet Light, and I think yeah. it's like an atmosphere. Like I think the song, it's like the lighting. You go into mm-hmm. the theater and you're like, oh, the lighting is like this, and the stage looks like this, and the Sesame set, scene. the mm-hmm. set is like this, and okay, there's candles over here, or there's yeah. a window open and light coming in. Like I think both with the way that song sounds and like the the combination of, of yeah like the the woodwinds and then the roads and mm-hmm. and that that sound of the keys like and with the album art i think it like sets the the color you know yeah. the atmosphere am i right in thinking that's the only song where you didn't play an instrument yeah yeah, yeah that's true yeah that's true so you got yeah. to relax a little bit yeah actually uh. i yeah and then i didn't even have a vocal take like i had like a scratch vocal that i had okay. made um as we kind of built yeah because i didn't play anything on it so but i had to sing something so that the bass and drums could play but then um i sang a fresh scratch vocal take you know which we just call it scratch when it's like probably going to throw it away it's not the final thing it's not even with a good microphone it's just with like kind of a a run-of-the-mill like you would play at a bar kind of microphone (laughs) So I sang that song because I finally had to sing a version to send to Paul Horton for him to play keys. And so I didn't even think about it. I just like put the mic up, sat, you know, sat there and just sang the song from top to bottom. Like I was singing it to him like this is before the keys were on. So it was very spacious and empty and before the bassoon, very spacious. Mm. But I really wanted to like communicate to him. I was like singing it to Paul and that ended up being the take that's on the album because we never like we tried to do like a real vocal take we we like i sang it multiple other times and i there was something about like the headspace i was in like it was so off the cuff and i wasn't like there's this thing i i try to reach it's like you try to reach it but if you're trying too hard you can't get there with Mm -hmm. singing where it's like you want your subconscious or unconsciousness or something kind of coming through and I was just there when I was singing. I was singing to Paul. So basically, my vocal take on that is me singing to Paul, oh, wow. like 
so so that he could have enough information emotionally to play yeah. keys with us because i couldn't we couldn't be in the same room i had to send it away send the yeah. track away to him because he was you know living in a different state so did so, he like did he come up with his own key own keys arrangement or did you kind of yeah yeah oh, so he, he himself yeah and i mean he's like he's a he's a jazz player and he's his his interpretation of of what could of of how the song could feel I mean, he like we just turned him loose, basically, uh-huh. like you know, like do your thing, and and then he, the first, I think this was like his first take too that he when he when he sent it back, and it was just like, that's that is like we were just crying, like that's yeah. <laughs> this is so beautiful, and I had no, I just couldn't imagine that what it could have sounded like, and and then he, you know, he's like, well, I can do a couple more and try a couple different ideas. And every other one, it was like, no, just that, that first take, that was it. So, yeah. so, so this one, I think like a lot of those things, like that felt really special too. Like, wow, this was like one vocal take. That was it. It was just, mm. and I wasn't even thinking it was going to be the real one when I sent yeah. it. And then when he sent over his keys, it was just like, here's just some ideas. And we were like, that is it. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. There's something real like natural and organic about that as well. Like, obviously I, I know that that's not always going to be the case with every song, but also it's amazing that you can still record yeah. music and release music that is really very yeah. to the core. Like, yeah, organic, really. Yeah, yeah. So we we wanted to, like, not let that get away from us, you know? It was like, mm-hmm. don't over, don't overthink it. Just let yeah. that be, let that be the first thing that is heard. It doesn't matter that the vocals were recorded on a microphone that we yeah. would, <laughs> you know, be embarrassed that we record that, you know, most engineers would be like, what yeah. did you do? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, we, don't, yeah. we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a beautiful, it is a beautiful start to the album. And it leads on really well to the next beautiful song, Real Time, mm. Real Tears, which um, is a really obviously personal song for you. And I'm right in thinking it's a eulogy to your uncle. Yeah, it was, you know, I had some of the lines already started and some of the melody already started, but I I really, really hastily finished the song in a green room, like backstage before I went and played a show in... Um, I was up in in Cambridge in in like like outside like Boston next to Boston Massachusetts and um yeah I had a, a really like beloved uncle so many of the people in my family are just like I come from a really big family my dad has like you know many siblings and and everybody is so creative in their own way and I didn't grow up with people who made a living doing art or made a living playing music it was you know they all kind of like creativity and art and music it was this other expression it was almost like more pure and sacred and and mm-hmm. like um communal and i just like cherish that so much and i i like always struggle with that balance in my own life now for like what to you know because suddenly i got wrapped up in in touring and then trying to make a living in music and yeah. um but i'm kind of rooted in that and and so my uncle just he he passed away so suddenly that just completely without warning so young so i the the thing that i wanted to do 
I don't know, just sort of to honor him and his, that the beauty of the creativity he'd always, you know, he like writing screenplays and, and, and drawing and like all the creativity that he'd given mm. in his life, the time he'd spent, I just wanted to like make something. So I just sat in the green room and sort of, you know, thinking of him and, and finished the song. And then I played it very raw form, you know, very yeah. emotional, just played it and sang it that night on stage. So maybe, you know, an hour after it was finished oh, wow. because I just, I felt, why not? Like, you know, you never know when you're gonna, when you're not gonna wake up the next morning. So I just, yeah, I, I don't know. That song is like, and then the recording of it, it's just, it's my, it's my siblings, my sisters, my sisters, Nina and Monica are singing harmonies with me. And then my brother Lyle is playing guitar. So, so we just wanted it to be like the siblings and, um, you know, we, we lost, my dad lost another brother, you know, even more recently now. And that brother was, he was the first person that I kind of remember. He had a, like a music room in his house, like a dedicated room with, a, you know, guitars on the wall yeah. and, a, and piano. And I think he played like in the church band and, and, you know, he always did something else for yeah. his, for his day job. And, and then he, but he had this dedicated music room. And I grew up in a really, really small house <laughs> with a big family and we, um, we kind of had a music room, but it was, yeah. it, you know, it was definitely not just dedicated to music. We, yeah. It was the room where the piano was, <laughs> but, um, but, and all the instrument cases, but um, a lot of this mm-hmm. la- last like two years, I think in general, and with this song and like, and then the last two years and with, with, with COVID and everything, like just thinking about the passage of time and, and generations mm. and, and family and loss and, and like, you know, you live long enough and then yeah. you lose people and that's just inevitable. And um, and it must be so special for you. And I suppose for your family to, for it to be a song that you did with your brother and sisters, um, how's the reaction been from like the rest of your family? Yeah, they, they love it. Um, they love it. I'm excited to get to play it in person mm. um, for some people because haven't got a chance to do that yet but um and and then yeah i mean i did i never you know i never got to say goodbye Mm. to to my uncle ali you know but i did get to say goodbye in a way to my uncle bob the one who who passed away from a very very fast aggressive cancer um Mm. because i i didn't get to see him in person but i got to um this fall i had like early copies of this cd and i um I just wrote him a note and told him about that music room and how inspiring yeah. he'd been to me as a kid. And, and just, you know, I sent him like, it was like the first copy of the CD I mailed out, you know, yeah, I sent so it to cool. him and it, and it was like, I don't know if he got, you know, to spend very much time with it. It was like mm-hmm. one of the last days that he was actually alive, but he did get to like hold it and, and yeah. um, put it on for, for a moment. And you just got to, just gotta seize seize the day <laughs> it's a beautiful song and lyrically like obviously it must be very hard to put out some really emotional lyrics but i do love the line i give my pain a window now i give my pain a door i think oh mm. yeah a beautiful beautiful song beautiful lyrics i'm sure the whole family is obviously very proud of that song in particular mm. like walking high. 
Number three, how bad I want to live. So, can you tell me the story behind this song? Because I'm right in thinking it's about a journey um, when you were traveling, and that's kind of been the inspiration behind the song. Yeah, I was hiking, backpacking on a trail called the Kalalau Trail in Kauai and in Hawaii with Ethan and we were there just at the edge of the rainy season and. We, you know, we had checked with the rangers. We thought the weather was all good for the hike in and the hike out. And it's it's a very dangerous trail. It's it's pretty treacherous, like as it is. But you know, we had we felt very prepared, and uh, we had our hiking poles, and we'd been like practicing our balance, you know, like wow. really because it's like you know very exposed cliffs and very narrow passages where there's you know there's wind around this corner and it's very exposed like it it's just straight down to if you slip it's like it's basically straight down to the ocean and so um like we were like really mentally and physically preparing to do it and we you know we made it in fine and uh we spent a night you know it's like a i think it's like 11 miles in to to this camp's beautiful like remote beach camp and so we spent a night there and then the next day we thought okay we'd kind of heard that there was actually some rain headed in so we thought we we're going to spend more time out here but let's be responsible and we came a long way to be here but but let's be responsible and and choose to go back a day early and beat the rain and we didn't beat the rain <laughs> oh, God. and so so it started it started raining and on our way back and a couple miles in and the the trail got like basically sections of the trail were like washing out and then there was this stretch of stretch of trail that was just like very very slick red clay and if anybody ever goes to the Kalalau trail or has been has been on it it's at mile eight and you'll probably remember it (laughs) (laughs) and uh and yeah I mean it was like I guess you know I've I was in a really bad car accident one time and like it was like it was so fast that I didn't it was just happening. All yeah. I remember was I just was just like, what? That was like mm-hmm. what I said as it was happening. I just said, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and then I like opened my eyes and the car was all spun around mm-hmm. and the other car was in a ditch. And, you know, and I was just like, that wasn't, that was different because I didn't have time to like be scared. A thing was already happening where it was like I might lose my life or something or be seriously injured. And this was different because it was like I had a choice of what to do like do Mm -hmm. i do i go like we and the choice kind of was like you have to go forward like you Mm -hmm. and then physically consciously and emotionally just like okay you have you have to cross this passage and then you have to go around the bend and you have to cross another part that's just like it and like you can't go back because if we went back it was like worse worse conditions and if we went like we couldn't just wait because the storm was like, it was going to be like this for the next two days. And, you know, it was like, no, there was no rescue. No. Like there, They weren't, they weren't flying helicopters or anything, you know, it was yeah. like no, no fly conditions. So we were like, okay, we have to cross. And, and just, I don't know, just the feeling of like, I, I must get to the other side of this. And I had never quite, not that I've ever like, 
really wanted to end my life, mm. like truly. But I've definitely felt pretty detached from my life in the past mm. or like pretty, um, I don't know, kind of just like, oh, wow, I woke up again today. That's yeah. nice. You know, like I've had some, some, some pretty, um, you know, pretty depressed times. And this was like a very, it was like a full body, full spirit wake up call of like, oh my gosh, I do not. I, I want to live. Yeah. Like I, I do want to live. I will do anything to get to the other side of this ledge and I will do anything. No, I will, I will do mm -hmm. this. And so that feeling of just like realizing so fully that I am so lucky to be alive at all, to be so lucky to make that choice, to be able to keep, you know, like if yeah. all the strength that I have is going to go into like, our feet were just sliding. You couldn't really use your feet. You just had to use these oh. hiking poles and like dig them into the Jeez. trail and like sort of launch yourself. And and we could hardly watch each other. And so that's why this the song is like you know I never dreamed I'd ask that you know that this mm -hmm. person could like watch me and, yeah. and we couldn't we couldn't really ask each other to watch each other because we were afraid that we were going to watch the other person fall. So we did, I don't know it was you know and then we got through that section. And we were both crying. And then Ethan looked at me and he was like, we don't have time to process this right now. We have to, we have to <laughs> keep do it going. Yeah, yeah, we have yeah. to keep going. So we had to keep going. And then, oh my gosh. yeah, it, it was, it was a crazy, it was a crazy moment. You know, I think I was probably in, you know, in some ways it's like, I don't know, maybe I was closer to losing my life in that car accident, mm. you know, like 10 years ago or whatever, but, but it didn't, feel as I just didn't have, I didn't have that moment of like that realized it was like I could reflect about it after the fact like wow I'm so glad that I'm alive that was yeah. scary but this was like oh my gosh I could die <laughs> like, mm -hmm. God. <laughs> well that like determination that you speak about that's like reflected so well now musically uh, within the song like it feels like you can hear that determination from when you're singing it and I think personnel wise this song's got the most people attached to it I, mm. I think yeah what made you get so many people on board with that song did you feel like it just needed that like upholstering almost yeah so we wanted this one to really feel like you know kind of like a band on a festival stage almost. yeah like a full band like celebration and we wanted big harmonies and so we asked our friends Shelby and Joel who they sing together in a duo called Sally and George and so their harmonies their voices are just like so locked in together yeah. because they they sing together all the time and so it was perfect choice to have them come and do it and then like we'd already recorded everything and we'd already like gone upstairs and eaten some chicken tortilla soup and people were drinking beers and hanging out and then somebody was like maybe Shelby suggested it I don't I don't it didn't come from me somebody was like you know it would sound pretty cool if Shelby sang the if Shelby sang the whole song with you like just that that her voice was on it and I so I think the fact that it sort of becomes a duet the whole yeah. song is sort of a duet really bolsters it too yeah it like gives it this energy and her voice is just like 
I mean, we, once we heard it on there, it was like, well, that's a keeper. Yeah. <laughs> good, good idea. <laughs> yeah. It's a real good song. And like you said, just hearing you talk about the inspiration behind the song and then hearing the song itself, it just makes complete sense. And uh, obviously a horrible thing to have to go through, but a brilliant song to come out as a result of, of that. I never dreamed I'd ask what I need now That he could bear to watch If I fall down and I don't come back Out of the ocean laughing He can love me to the blood He can love me to the bone But there's still some roads that gotta go alone And there's still some nights I'm gonna be the only one crying Oh, but I'm so Number four, so dogs run on. I love the whole concept of dedicating a song to our love of dogs. <laughs> I'm a dog person. I, as I said uh, before we did the episode, I, um, I'm dog sitting at the moment. So it's been very appropriate whilst I've been walking the dogs. I don't have a dog myself. So the song's been on repeat whilst I've been dog sitting. And it's, it's a thumbs up from the dog as well. He Great. seems to be <laughs> enjoying it a lot. Um, yeah. What made you want to write the song? So I, our, our family, our family dog, like my parents' dog, Sylvie was, she was really sick. And this is in like, I guess it was the fall of 2020. Cause it was, yeah, like the first fall of COVID. And I didn't, I didn't get to see her one last time because actually, cause Ethan got COVID and we never ended up mm. going up to visit my family that this trip that we were planning to go. And I just was sitting there one day and I, I started writing this song and it was just like, hold on Sylvie hold on Sylvie like I just was kind of singing to her like I wanted her to like hold on and keep living and then I realized like how selfish that was because I like she was like in pain and and, like Mm. she you know a dog like dying of cancer and so I I just but I just kept writing that song anyway and and, because it was like soothing to me to kind of try to and it it started bringing up all these like memories of like you know the things basically the things I wanted to do with her when I got back like I wanted to you know watch her run through the snow and like like Mm -hmm. all these all these images and and I had another like black lab that I grew up with a dog named Georgia who was like a like a fifth sibling you know Mm -hmm. in our family just really really just wonderful dog and and so I kind of was like remembering all these just all these moments and just feeling like really sad about being far from my parents you know they're they're in Pennsylvania and I'm in in Nashville Tennessee it's about a 12-hour drive in the car oh wow and so it's yeah so it's not an easy an easy trip or an easy visit and uh, then Sylvie passed away a couple weeks later so instead of you know, this song, Hold On Sylvie, Hold On Sylvie, I just, I kind of, I guess, channeled my grief into Dogs yeah. Run On, into yeah. like, um, almost like, when I get home, we'll go to the lake, you know, like, when mm-hmm. I get home, we'll do all these things, because, but knowing that actually, when I get home, like, she's not going to be there anymore, but, yeah. but in a way, like, she is there, because, like that's just what happens like, yeah. they're in, in our memories you know and I love the lyric days pass away but dogs run on so it's kind mm. of like you said what you're saying about so um yeah another another really beautiful song off the album you know love's not made for worms like you know love is never 
five not a trick of the eye which seems to be the real heart of the album obviously contains the title of the album violet light yeah the whole concept of violet light where was your inspiration behind that or where did that come from i really love learning about animals and like and other other things in the natural world like what like their adaptations and their skills and their their senses and the things that like what life must be like for them, you know, all I can see is through my like human lens. But, you know, I loved learning that butterflies see ultraviolet light. Like there's this other part of the light spectrum that like the human eye, like we can't see it. It's like, it's past what we can see. And, but butterflies like navigate by this and it's like very important to their, uh, to, to the way, to their life cycle. So I had that interest in my mind. And then, I think I was, this is, I think, another song um, sort of trying to process and and transform some feeling into something else. Um, Just sitting on my couch watching videos of police violence in, um, you know, the end of May and and June and and 2020 and the the protests that were going on around the U.S. in different cities. and, um, And then, like, the longer history of of racism and and exploitation that is a part like an is like interwoven that is the story of the united states in a way and and so much of you know so much wealth (laughs) create and so much possibility and progress like created at, at the expense and cost of actual like human life and and so i was just thinking about this all these things and and where Mm. we're at right now and how invisible i guess like how we can go through you know you can like go through like days and life and weeks and years and and not see certain things because you just don't see it it's past what you can see or maybe it's like in a different neighborhood and you happen to be raised in this neighborhood or it's so i was like thinking about visibility and and like the lens that we that we take information in and all of that and i started to put you know kind of put, put those together. two concepts together yeah. a little bit and think like okay like we don't have the like we don't see violet light like i know but but can we see that there's something like and if someone like if if historically like a group of people has been treated in this way and like no reparations mm-hmm. have really been made and and then histo- and then like presently people are being treated in this way and we're seeing it like on camera but are we really seeing it like what are we are we yeah. are we going to change anything about it? i guess just visibility and thinking about that and what we choose to see and what we what we're like not yeah like what we don't want to see yet what we don't want to you know mm. what we don't what we don't want to change or, or or question yet and yeah i'm just trying to trying to like come come to an understanding of of my place in in that story too and and the struggle but i also wanted to 
um, like really center, center like the the person in this song is is not a particular person or a particular victim of violence, but I want you know it's the song starts by them like basically like saying good night and like mm. good night I love you goodbye like to their family and then like you know going out maybe they're just going out to like buy a coke at you know the gas station mm. and they you know or they're just driving who knows what they're doing the, all like men, the stories that come out of of these incidents in the u.s it's like anything from you know running in the park to mm. sleeping on your couch and and like yeah i just wanted to like center that person as like this is a human being like le- like a father maybe or a or a mother or a son or they're they're leaving their family to like go run an errand and they are killed yeah. they, you know so like what there's some there's something else going on there's something else at work there's some other force what is that force and i think that force is systemic racism but it's Mm. it can be difficult to see and so this this song is like part of my as i guess as an artist like trying to come to terms with with that as a reality it's not a trick of the eye to number six i don't ask trees and i love the banjo cello and mm. piano just the three instruments together seem to fit so well um how was that bringing that song together because yeah the instruments together i think are amazing it sounds so good mm, thank you yeah that's really uh, it's a sweet sweet bunch of instruments there and and that was all recorded remotely i was the only one at the secret woods here like with yeah. banjo and voice and then Tristan Claridge played cello from California and then Ben Cosgrove played piano. I think he was tracking it up in somewhere in, in Massachusetts, somewhere in New England. And yeah, we just wanted to keep it um keep it sparse and open, keep it feeling like like flight and freedom, yeah. sort of. And so I think the cello and, and the piano really give that give that feeling. Like it was what I had to do. I don't ask trees why they need so much time to grow. I don't ask hearts why they need so much time to know. And mm-hmm. number seven, which is Margaret. So I'm right to think in this song is kind of taking on two different meanings. There's a reason why it's called Margaret, but it's not necessarily attached to the actual song itself. Yeah, <laughs> kind Which, of. Yeah. Um, so I was actually listening to a podcast, like an interview with the author, the Canadian author, Margaret Atwood. This is like early pandemic times, spring of 2020. And... You know, I had just been kind of sitting in my yard a lot, like watching birds and squirrels and just feeling, I don't know, scrolling through my phone, reading the news constantly, trying to figure out what was going on and yeah. with, with you know, COVID. And 
uh, and frustrated of you know with with the shutdowns and scared for my family and myself and just confused and watching squirrels and yeah. uh as then i'm listening to this podcast and i'm like you know surely like okay well i'll just i'll just escape all of this and i'll go learn something some wisdom from like margaret atwood surely she has something you yeah. know <laughs> and, she, and and i go, you know go listen to this podcast and she's just talking about squirrels and like <laughs> so, you know <laughs> Like basically, like having the same experience. Yeah, and I was just like, okay, all right, and I felt like so deeply comforted by that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that she, like, okay, like wow, this like, not just me. Brilliant writer, and you know, this wise and brilliant writer is just like, yeah, you just just love watching squirrels. They keep getting in my ceiling, and uh, yeah, you know, you just got to keep in touch with your friends. And and then I started thinking about my grandma because my. I'm really close with my grandma and you know I turned 30 during the pandemic and my grandma Look. turned my grandma turned 90 during the pandemic so it's like wow wow, wow. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and she lives alone and she's she's lived alone for like 20 years and you know since my my grandpa died really suddenly and she she gets herself dressed every morning and she has her cup of coffee and then at five o'clock she pops her bottle of wine and she pours herself a glass and she she is like extremely independent and 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 uh, like pushes her laundry basket with her walker so that she can like you know do her own laundry pushes it across the kitchen floor wonder woman She's, she's just kind of a wonder woman and uh and she has she traveled a lot in you know earlier times in her life and has friends all over the world and you know friends who when i was talking to her earlier well this year it feels like it's been what a year but really over the past two two years and some mm. but and i ended up i spent a couple of weeks actually living with her during the pandemic up in pennsylvania and um and i was just talking with her and and like she has so much wisdom of like the importance of keeping in touch with people like because of the present and not like some hopeful future. Like, I don't know the difference for me, like, and people and, you know, we're just like, you know, youngsters in our thirties or whatever. And we're like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait until we hang out again. And I'm always like looking forward to the next time that I see somebody. And my grandma's like getting in touch with a friend who she knows very well that they will never see each other again because they are, in their 80s and 90s they are not going to get on a plane and like travel to see each other in normal times let alone right now and it's just but the the importance of those phone calls and the the communication and like the yeah something about that is like really really powerful to me and uh yeah just like the love that she the love and care that she brings to her, her days and to the people in her her life and her friendships over time so I wanted to I wanted to put it in a song, and this yeah. song is really it's really about my grandma. It's really in the voice of my grandma, but I kind of wanted to like not not I don't know I didn't want to use her name. It was also yeah. like just as it was kind of the song was spurred on by that by the Margaret Atwood um, interview, and so I wanted to like kind of remember. This is another like blending, of, yeah. You know, two yeah. things. So I kind of wanted to blend blend that and margaret the title was like a time stamp like of boom that was i remember i was sitting on the porch steps in the sunshine it was like april 2020 listening to this interview and uh and then the song poured out and and so i think i think yeah something about this I, the very first word in the song 
It was definitely like I've had squirrels in my ceiling. Like that's where mm-hmm. the song comes from. Was like Margaret talking about that. Then yeah. made me think that made me think about my grandma Joanne. Yeah. Made me think about her, and and then the song came. Yeah. So it was like okay, a blending of the two. I, and talking of collaborating, and obviously so many people got involved. Um, is it Thor Davidson? Have I said that right? Mm-hmm. Um, who does the harmonica? Am I right yes. thinking that was recorded in Iceland? Yes. And then sent over. That's amazing. Like, if you think before lockdown, yes. it's probably something we probably wouldn't have been thinking about doing. But um, yeah, was that the furthest traveled music input into this album? Or it, was there anyone further afield probably, than Iceland? It probably is the furthest. Yeah. Yeah. Thor is Thor is just a, a really so soulful, the, the mm-hmm. playing on here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably the furthest. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Maybe like equidistant between maybe California and Iceland here. I don't know. Ah, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fair far, far from California, too. US How far so are you big. from California where you are? Yeah, at least like a four day drive. I don't know. Gee, wow. So, <laughs> I mean, I forget how big America yeah. is. Wow. Wow. That yeah. is nuts. Well, talking of driving and distances, number eight is never on the map, which longest song on the album and seems to be the reflective of your times on the road, which mm-hmm. um, whilst in lockdown, was that obviously something that a lot of musicians have obviously, it's hit musicians hard, not been able to, to travel and, and play shows. Is that a song that's kind of been inspired through lockdown, if that's the right way of putting it? Yeah, I, I remember like sitting... I remember just sitting and kind of uh, having like a reverie about <laughs> that time. Like this song is specifically about like kind of before I ever tried to tour and like be in a band and anything like that. This was like we were just busking on the side of the street. We were just friends crossing the country. It was very informal. So I was feeling really nostalgic for that and like just showing up in a town and playing at the farmer's market and like meeting strangers and no agenda. Like, you know, yeah. it wasn't like, oh, we have to be in this town at this time to like set up and play our our thing and sell merch and all that. It was like, oh, you yeah. live in you live in uh, Kentucky? Like, or there's this festival in Kentucky? Sure, we'll go there. Um, yeah. Oh, like, like. Spontaneous. I just, spontaneous and. Mm. and you know and it was not it was not like all like rosy happy times it was definitely like a lot of like interpersonal conflict in this little this little sedan (laughs) that we drove across the country and but that's also a part of of traveling and touring and i think something that you know i don't know if basically like whenever a band breaks up i'm like okay like good for them (laughs) because <laughs> like I can't because I know like how difficult it can be and yeah um, and I'm kind of like wow that's like good for you for like ever trying to put multiple people in the car and then go on a yeah, very, must be very intense. extended road trip and spend you know 24 7 together and like and try to have like families and lives outside of that and the ba- like yeah. I don't know especially like in your 20s when you're not really good at boundaries and I don't know it's a lot so but this was kind of like the crash course of uh, 
what it's like when you throw a couple people in a yeah. car together and like, all right, let's hit the road. <laughs> yeah. I also love the fact that you've managed to get uh, mac and cheese into song lyrics. That's, I mean, that's a favorite of mine. So when I heard it, I was like, yes, this is great. Yeah, we would, we like, I don't know, we made so much mac and cheese. We would just like cook it in the parking lots of yeah. like Walmart. <laughs> wow. In the hidden hills of Pittsburgh, way up above the streets they were on their way to montreal or bound for new orleans we were westbound in a saturn west and everywhere between once you hear about those trains you Well, talking yeah. of busking, this next song feels very much like a busing kind of feel to it. Uh, Watches out of diamonds, which is just yourself and Ethan. But between the two of you, you've got a lot of different instruments. You've even got body percussion, sleigh bells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot. And obviously, I mentioned before the kazoo, which is brilliant. I love the kazoo on it. What? Uh, how did it come about that you're going to be playing the kazoo? Well, let's see. This song, like. At, at first, it wasn't as jovial sounding okay. as it is. It was kind of like a, I mean, you know, it's the song is kind of like an existential crisis of what mm. the kind the kind of bind that we're all in. We can't really like get out of capitalism. Like we're in it, and it's it's conflicting and haunting, and it's difficult because it's like the system that we're all in is a difficult system where people are hurt and the environment is hurt. And it feels painful sometimes to just be in it and figure out how to accept that we are participants in it. And so I was like really feeling, you know, really heavy about that one day Mm. and started writing a song with some, even some of the same lyrics, but I... I was less like, this is so depressing. Like, I can't, I can't stand this song. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't finish this song. I don't want to, I don't want to sing this song. Mm. But I was like, but I, I think it's important to like, you know, again, with like, you know, kind of transforming grief, transforming pain, like transforming it into some kind of expression that we can hold and bear at least. I was like, how do I tell this story? well, okay, how about if it's just like, do, 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 I don't know. It's like, at least I can cheer myself up with the melody and the feel of the song. So I can't remember, like, I can't remember, like, where the whole, like, kazoo idea came from. Uh, You know, I think maybe I, in the demo, in the demo of the song, like, I made the demo, like, right upstairs, you know, at the time, and I was just stomping on the floor as I was, basically, my stomp became the the kick drum mm-hmm. on on the record but um i was just stomping that steady beat that you hear and then i think i was singing like do 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 like i kind of sang a a break or whatever you call it like a, mm-hmm. a solo just just singing it like do 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 yeah I, I mean i i can't quite remember how it happened but i bet ethan was like i like that like what if you actually did that like what if we went down to the used music store and you you know picked up a because you know that bin of kazoos they sell by the register and just played played that and i was like yeah Yeah. sure 
Like, <laughs> and it's so true actually listening to it, even though most people probably won't listen with a kazoo to hand, but you do then actually do the like do doing yourself and kind of sing along to the kazoo. But like you said, from when it all kind of came from. So uh, interesting, the whole like trying to have a really upbeat, positive spin on something that, like you said, is something hard to be able to talk about or to be able to sing about. So to trying to then put a real like light and very catchy song. I, I, I love that song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very fun. It's very, very fun to play yeah, and sing I it. It's How is like... it to sing, play the guitar and the kazoo? That's very multi-skilled on it's that song. Very. It's been very hard live. Like I don't quite, I've practiced it a couple times now, like, Usually I'll just stop playing yeah. for a second, stop strumming, and I'll just snatch the kazoo off of like a, a little stool, play it, and just kind of keep strumming and holding yeah. it with my lips, and then I'll just spit, spit it out. Spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? That's brilliant. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, because you can't, it's not like a harmonica holder. People yeah. should mess, you need a kazoo holder or something. Yeah, I just spit it out. You can actually see, there's a video of it. If you, if you search if you search <laughs> it on YouTube, there's a video of me uh, spitting the kazoo right, out. Right, well, well, there you go. <laughs> It's a good machine Who cares if it's running dirty or clean As long as it's making parking spots And watches out of diamonds Number 10, You Don't Need Me, which kind of about artists navigating relationships within the music industry. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Is that something that you were quite passionate about wanting to write a song about? You know, I I was I wrote this song because I was like somebody had. Uh, like a music I mean I'm in the music industry as you know as a musician but but a more businessy music industry person was kind of presenting me with some kind of deal sort of scenario and I and I was reading it over and I was just like no like this is this doesn't make any sense like why would I why did I even get to this point why did I say yes to all these emails to even get to this point and in looking at this like what am I what am I thinking like I don't know. And so I just kind of was like, no, like you. And so instead of like, I don't need you, I was just sort of like, in my mind, I was just like, you don't need me. Like, I'm not I've I've actually like been through some of this before. Like I and I started to think how it feels like a lot like manipulative, toxic relationship or something Mm. where it's like, wow, like, I don't know, like the line about like the gate doesn't open until you turn the key, find someone who believes how romantic that can be, like, you know, where people talk about gatekeepers and in the industry and and things like that. And I, I think that is like, always going to be a conflict for me in music, where it's like, you know, music is its soul, and it's art, and it's like, it's communication, and it's sacred, and it's, it belongs to us in a way that is like, not commodified, but then also to be in the music industry, like, we are participating in it being commodified and sold and and marketed and all of that. And so that's, Mm. I think this song is like me sitting with, sitting with that, that that kind of reality and that contradiction. And, and I've actually have heard from a a lot of, a lot of friends have, have reached out to me hearing this song. And I don't know if they, you know, not everybody, there's no liner notes that like explain the songs, you know? And, And so I don't know if 
a lot of people have, um, you know, who I know are coming out of some like kind of bad relationships, you know, have like reached out to me and been like, wow, like this song in particular is Amazing. Like, really hitting me right now. And I think they're kind of, you know, hearing it more through because I'm, I wrote it almost like a more of a romantic relationship. But I do think that that's like the feeling that you have as an artist when you're like, wow, this person in the industry is like falling in love with me and I'm kind mm -hmm. of falling in love with them and the possibility of what we could be together, even if it's not, if it's a really unequal relationship or even if like they, I feel like they have all the power and that's good because they deserve all the power and I only just, I deserve nothing. Like I'm, mm -hmm how amazing that they even pay attention to me at all you know like yeah. some of those things that happen in like unbalanced romantic relationships where and that same i don't know i've just i've felt the same thing happen and i've seen the same thing happen like in in the music industry and so i um yeah i kind of blended <laughs> those again well, uh, yeah i always think it's, it must be so amazing so rewarding as a songwriter to have put out a song that for you mean one thing and then to have people reach out and say that it impacted me this way or interpret it this way um yeah that's gonna be so rewarding and ultimately surely one of the reasons why you do songwriting because yeah to be able to have that portal for someone else to then for that song to take on a whole other meaning to them so yeah amazing that people have been reaching out um for that song yeah. You need someone who's still afraid to send the letter that she wrote Someone afraid of the water, afraid of the boat You need someone who believes you when you tell her that she needs you Tell her you're the only way, tell her it's crazy but it's true But you don't need me final song of the album track 11 uh, leftover tears originally it was going to be a very fast bluesy kind of waltz mm -hmm. yeah how did that kind of transform i suppose yeah i actually i so i was inspired to write this um like kind of the chorus of this song because of michael daves and chris Thiele. they have this duo project and they sing like like you know high bluegrass style harmonies and i always really liked how in some of those songs, the very first thing you hear is the chorus. And so I just, I wanted like the line leftover tears to be like yeah. right up top. So I, at first the song was going to be like, these are leftover tears from the day I was born. Like, I don't know. And it was just like, that was the, the sentiment of it, but kind of in the opposite way of watches out of diamonds, where it was like, you know, I yeah. was like, I was like, huh, this actually, it's like, the sentiment of the song is like kind of sweet enough that I think that's not the right, that's not the right, like <laughs> light, that's not the right lighting. That's not the right set for this little play. You know, yeah. this needs to, this needs different atmosphere. And so, yeah, so we really, really took a different direction and kind of slowed it down and um, had Kaya Cater sing, sing uh, like as a duet with me. We, we, I kept the duet idea that it would be like a duet yeah two, two voices together but um but she sings she has this like velvet rich low harmony in there that's so beautiful and then um yeah we had like vibraphone and and then ethan and i sort of built this like vocal choir where we're just singing like ah <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun it was really really fun to record that one 
And uh, what made you put that one as the last song on the album? Um, kind of like, I feel like it, it's sort of the, it feels like it's the end of the arc with flowers. Like flowers yeah. at the beginning sort of talks about this world. And then at the end, you kind of have, you know, I don't know what to make of this world. That, that's kind yeah. of the phrase at the end. So I feel like everything in everything else in the album feels like it's like really zoomed in and it's kind of like okay let's talk about dogs okay let's talk about you know like i don't know all of these different you know let's talk about dogs let's talk about squirrels now let's zoom out and talk Mm -hmm. about oh the the world like the floating the floating world in space (laughs) and so i think that the it kind of it's like it's zoomed out and then it zooms in for the album and then it zooms out again at the end these are left Tears from the day I was born. They slip out sometimes when I don't recognize this world. These are leftover tears from the day I was born. Well, some final quick fire questions about the album in particular. Some of them we've kind of already answered. Uh, for example, do you have a favorite song off the album? I don't. I mean, the no? favorite one to the favorite one to play right now is probably "Watches Out of Diamonds," just because the kazoo is such a fun yeah. challenge. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was one of them. Uh, which are you most looking for, forward to playing live, or which yeah, which song that you haven't played live yet are you most looking forward to playing live? You know, I'm really excited to play "Never on the Map" live mm. um, because just because I I'm excited to get to play fiddle again yeah yeah i'm gonna try i'm gonna try to play fiddle in the live show love um, it for that for that song uh which song came together the quickest and which song took the longest let's see the quickest i think i think that watches out of diamonds was probably the quickest to record i mean it was yeah, just, Ethan, just Ethan and I on that one yeah and then the longest um i don't know i mean actually real time real tears went through a couple different phases we actually there we had we had there's a drum part on that one that we eventually just took out completely because we just we just realized that it wasn't the right lighting for it it mm. just needed the acoustic instrument so so that that one was like a little a little more tricky to find what the song wanted to be do you have a favorite lyric i do like a I'm glad I got to fit mac and cheese in there now that wow. I mentioned that. There so you go. I'll just say, because that, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's nice that you, that, that stuck out to you, but I didn't really yeah. think much of it, but I'm like, wow, I don't think I would, it was, it just kind of yeah. was, was true. So I wrote it. Well, but, it's, but it stuck fun. with me. It has stuck yeah. with me, mac and cheese. And the last thing, so at the end of each podcast, I do a thing called what's the occasion. And I give you three different occasions and you've got to pick one song off the album uh, for each occasion so the occasions mm. are if you were to play one of the songs so you've got a wedding a dinner party or a car road trip so mm. different songs a wedding which song would you if you had to pick one off the album to play a wedding mm. probably margaret yeah, good choice margaret. um a dinner party chilled out friends <laughs> Yeah, just chilled out background music, like, I don't know, like Dogs Run On or something. Mm-hmm. Nice. Maybe they'd be like, oh, she's singing about dogs. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's got a mutual love of dogs. So that's quite a good mm-hmm. conversation starter. Mm-hmm. And uh, Car Road Trip. Uh, probably never on the map. 
yeah yeah that's that's really, really suitable actually mm-hmm. well thank you so much we've um definitely uncovered violet light and um i really appreciate your time and it's a lot of real open and honest conversation um that you're able to share because it's a real personal album so um i'd love the album itself and um yeah thank you so much and what have you got coming up in the future it's just a couple shows around nashville um, cool. starting to starting to play out a little bit more here and then I got a tour coming up in May in uh, for the Eastern U.S. like south southeast northeast U.S. taking a band out, um, cool. crossing my fingers that you know everything goes yeah. well and it's you know a healthy enough time to do that and but I have to at least take the steps to make it to at least put my hope into it to yeah. that we can do that and so yeah trying to get get out to play live a little bit more. Um, and well, hopefully, at some point, we'll see you back over at the in the UK. I would Please. love that. I would fingers crossed. Yeah, we need some yeah. live music. We definitely need yeah. some Maya Davitri back in the UK. Yes, yes, sure. I will be. I will be back. I hope Good. it was. Oh, I the, the the tours that the Stray Birds did there. They were just always like our favorite tours. Oh, good. So yeah, I will. I will definitely Amazing. try try to get back over there once once things can get rolling again. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Uh, once again, congrats with Violet Light, a brilliant album. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll see you over this side very, very soon. Yes. Thank you so much, Lauren.